Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, and very, very excited to welcome in my next guest, Eric Crocker, former player, now scout, trainer, extraordinaire. He does some of the best work on Twitter as far as corners and receivers are concerned. And given that those are two massive positions that the Browns need to address in, in this year's draft, I wanted to bring him on and pick his brain about all of these prospects. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for the, uh, I like the intro. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. I, I have, look, I, I always want to be authentic with the listeners. I always want to be honest. I love this stuff. I dive into as much film as I possibly can. I unfortunately was not given the athletic traits that you were given. And so I never played a football at this kind of level. And so I am always interested in picking the brain of somebody who, who notices things that I wouldn't notice when I watch the film, who, who can break down these guys in a way that I can't. And I've loved your, your video breakdowns on Twitter for years. I've listened to your show uh, talking about the 49ers guys for uh, several years as well. So uh, very uh, pumped to get into all of this. There are a bunch of different prospects. I think this year's corner class, I was just saying this on a different podcast. This year's corner class to me is interesting because I feel like there are a wide variety of opinions. And so I'm interested to hear your take on some of these guys. Yeah, there definitely, there is, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, there's a, there's a wide variety and there's kind of like consensus. That's, that's true. There, there, there are, there are some consensus and I know, and I've seen in years past, you've gone against the consensus as well in, in some interesting ways. So I, I've certainly flagged those opinions. So. And I do that, uh, you know, before, like, like, I'm not like a hot take guy. Like I think with me is just, I just don't go off of what other people say. And I just go off of what I see and what I prefer um, and that's why sometimes my rankings differ from other people. And, uh, but yeah, it's not like a hot take thing or anything like that. It's just kind of just really just what I see for real. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, let's talk about that, the consensus here and, and then your feelings on it. So I feel like in general, as, as the cornerback class is evaluated as a whole, the consensus opinion that I've heard is, hey, this isn't a class that has a ton of elite guys at the top that are top 10 picks for sure, lockdown type guys. However, there's a lot of solid depth in this class. There's a lot of guys that on day two, perhaps you can get that are are going to be successful NFL players here for years to come. It, is that how you see it breaking down or do you think that's a mischaracterization of the class? Yeah. You know, I think that's about right. I mean, before the Farley injury, you could have said there could potentially be three guys that could go in the top 10. Now I'm not saying like three guys would go in the top 10, but like, you know, if I were to say JC Horn or Sertain or Farley, you know, one of them or all of them went in the top 10, nobody, I don't think anybody would be, all that surprise. So I think it's definitely top heavy from that sense. And then when you start to get a little bit deeper, I think it kind of, I think the tier two isn't as high. Um, there's one guy that I really like in that area where I feel like the consensus will have them in that area, but I have them higher. And then I think it kind of goes to like more of a tier three. And that's where it's like big time wide open with guys that I feel like are just 
talented and have all kinds of like different skill sets. Well, you, you've already piqued my interest. So who's that? So I feel like the the top three corners that everybody's talking about are Farley, Sertain, and uh, J.C. Horn. And every mock I've right. seen pretty much has had those guys gone before the Browns pick at 26. You mentioned that there's another guy that you have above the consensus. Who is that name? Is that one of those three guys or somebody else that you would put towards that, that top tier? Oh, Greg Newsom. My guy, my guy, my Northwestern yeah. Uh, my, my Northwestern cornerback, that's, uh, where I went to school, if you don't know. So I've seen every, I've watched every Greg Newsom snap, uh, at Northwestern over these last several years. Interesting that you, that you like him that much. That's, uh, talk to me about why you see him in that same class. Yeah, man, Greg Newsom, he, you know, it's interesting when I, when I watch, like first when I cut on the film, I, I don't, I don't go and look at like a bio, I don't look at height, weight, speed or anything like that. You know, it's just, I'll look at like just some like regular rankings or whatever. And then from there, I kind of just start evaluating guys. So, you know, I might look at CBS cornerback rankings and they'll have, you know, their 10, 15 corners or whatever. And then, so then that's kind of how I know, okay, these are the guys I need to be watching. So I end up watching Greg Newsom. I don't know what his size is or anything like that, but I, when I see him, I'm like, okay, he looks smaller. I'd say, you know, I'm guessing 5'10", you know, 185 pounds or whatever. And I'm watching how he moves. I'm like, man, like, trick, trick uh, movement skills. Okay. Then I'm watching him, like, challenge, you know, the ball in the air. Okay, he's doing great there. Then his off coverage, I'm like, wow, like, good off coverage. But a lot of things I'm looking for in off coverage is how well and how much do you challenge your feet in space, right? Like, do you have to 100% play with anticipation or can you be off in space and let your feet do all the thinking for you? And I thought from that standpoint, he did a really good job. And then watch him impress, I'm like, wow, okay, terrific. And then just like the scrappiness, the cockiness, like the, the confidence, um, the ability to play the ball in the air, like no matter the size of the receiver, I'm like, man, this guy's really good. I thought he had good hips, change of direction, all that was good. I, I thought he could be a little quicker um, out of his break at times. Um, I thought if, if there was one place where I thought he could improve, it, it was there. But everything else, I'm like, damn, like, this looks like Jair Alexander. I had no issues with his turnaround, his speed, um, his speed vertically. Like, he never looked like he was fighting against himself to try to keep up with the receiver. It was more of an effortless run. And I was like, wow, okay, I like, I like everything about him. Then he goes to the pro day, and I find out he's six foot, you know, 193 pounds. I'm like, wow, well, he's much bigger than what I was expecting. Um, so that's a plus. I compared him to Jair Alexander, and now – I look at him as like a jumbo size giant jumbo in the sense of, you know, a couple inches taller, probably around the same weight, but just with his ability. And I think overall, he's the most scheme versatile corner in this class. What I mean by that, like, you know, there are a bunch of different schemes and sometimes you want to get somebody that just fits more of what you do. When I look at Greg Newsom, he's somebody where I feel like fits any type of scheme that a team might want to place him in. So I really like him. Um, you know, yeah, I really like him <laughs> a lot. And but okay, now this, here's the only thing. And you went to Northwestern, so you know more about this than me. I I can only go off of what I see off a of film, right? I, I don't have access to any medical evaluations or anything like that. I, his past injuries, whatever. I, I don't know anything about that. He's not hurt right now. I know that much. I know he tested extremely well. I know his film. I loved it, and that's why I loved before he even tested. So, um, you know, he checks all the boxes 
for me and what I want in my ideal corner. I think he has movement skills to be able to play inside or outside. So he has that versatility. Uh, it's just he has, you know, I think he's missed a lot of games from what I'm understanding. So that's something that maybe teams might be a little bit more concerned with. He does have an injury history. He's missed a handful of games in his career. And then you brought up, I feel like, the things that I've heard as far as criticisms of him, it, it, that closing speed in, in terms of uh, on, on the ball, I think is something that has been pointed out. And then the other thing is Northwestern plays a lot of, of zone coverage and cover three. So the the things that I've seen are there are just some questions. You mentioned it. He plays physical. He's gotten up in, in people's jerseys before and committed, I think, a, a, a couple penalties for that. However, I think there was just some questions about how often he was asked to play press coverage at Northwestern as well. That was the other thing I saw as a criticism of him. Uh, just the number of plays he took in, 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 in cover three, in off, in off coverage, uh, totally through design, through Northwestern scheme. That is a, a common trait among Northwestern corners as somebody who's watched their team for a while. I also, uh, you know, the intangibles, intangibles part I like, he falls in a weird spot, I think, for the Browns. He's, I think, by most rankings in the 30s, and the Browns are at 26. And so either they'd be trading back into the second round, which some people have talked about them doing, uh, in, in getting a guy like Greg Newsom or Asante Samuel Jr., or they'd, you know, or they'd be drafting him in the first round, I think above where the consensus is where, and so that's why I think he's an interesting player where I find it hard to believe he ends up on the Browns just because of the draft board, but it, he does seem like he's rising in, in a lot of people's rankings of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, man. And I think deservedly so. And he is someone that, uh, you know, if, if the injury stuff is, you know, worries people, then I could see a second round pick, but if, you're not worried about his injuries and everything checks out well. You know, and I, I think I heard that they're doing some kind of like mega uh, physical checkup thing for guys that have been hurt. Um, if he does that and um, everything checks out, like to me, he's easily a first round corner. So, you know, if somebody were to take him, this reminds me, you know what this, what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a lot of Tredavious White when he was coming out. And this is how I felt about Tredavious White. Now I had Tredavious White. I thought he was, he, you know, he was my CB1 in that class. And, and that's what he reminds me of, right? How he plays, his size, his movement skills, his versatility. Uh, Tredavious White had a lot of those same type of, uh, that same type of skill set. Now he's going to a defense where, you know, they don't even ask him to do a whole lot of press coverage and stuff like that. You know, he plays a lot of off, they play some zone, a lot of zone over there in Buffalo. But I would say, you know, I comped them to to Jair Alexander, that type of guy, but I think Tredavis White might be even better fit for real. Interesting, interesting. I uh, I would, you know, as, as a Northwestern and Brown supporter, I think I would uh, love that that mix. Uh, someone else, I think, that I've seen a, a couple different scenarios. As I was talking about the trading up and trading back thing, uh, I think the most attainable corner in terms of trading up just a few slots would be J.C. Horn if he fell. I doubt he'll be in the range for the Browns, but is he a player that you would circle as worth trading up for? Or would you say, hey, if he falls to a 26, okay, but he's not a, a corner that I evaluate as an elite, you know, middle of the first round type talent? Yeah, no, he's my CB1 in this class. And that's oh, like, all right. There it is. is. Um, he, he's my favorite corner in this class. And um, so skill set wise, 
I think he possesses a lot of good things. Obviously, he's a big corner, right? You know, he's 6'1", 205 pounds. Um, we saw how well he tested. For whatever reason, people thought he wasn't going to test well. I'm, I'm not sure why. I never saw him film at any point, whether it was, you know, uh, speed, you know, vertical speed, like down the field or thing like that. Never seemed to struggle with any guys, you know, vertically. Um, he is, uh, but I think his, his best trait, Aside from all that, like you know, everything on the field, like that's great. Like he, he does extremely well. I have no issues with him. You know, I've seen him play guard big receivers. I've seen him guard small receivers. Like he had to line up. There are people that question like his twitch. Like, dude, I watched this guy go man to man with Elijah Moore in a slot. Anybody that's 6'1", 205 pounds, and you're playing man to man press coverage against a 5'8", 5'9", 170, whatever Elijah Moore is that runs a 4'3", 2", and you're man to man with him in the slot with no help. You 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 move you move just fine, <laughs> you know. So I have no issues with his move, and, and that's in the slot where you have all that space as well. So I have no issues there. Um, he's extremely competitive, and I think that's the one thing when you're looking for a cornerback and like somebody kind of changes the room. He's an alpha male, and from everything that I've heard about him from people that I know and what they say about him, he's an alpha male. He's a leader. When he stepped into the South Carolina uh, locker room as a true freshman. He was the leader of the secondary. So, you know, we're talking about somebody with that type of characteristics. Um, he, you know, we heard, you know, there's videos going around of him, like talking about himself at the at, at his pro day where he's like, look, like, I don't care about what anybody else does. Like, I'm the standard. And he really feels like that. And he works like that. Like, he's always looking for work, always trying to get better, always looking for advice. Like, you know, he's somebody that's going to, like, he's hungry for it, like thirsty for it, like getting better. And that's somebody who already, has the resume and everything on the field. You know, when he went and he shut down Seth Williams, that wasn't that wasn't the coaching staff saying, hey, okay, this is going to be the game plan. We're going to just put you on Seth Williams. That's him saying, like, no, nah, like, hey, that's their best receiver. Like, I'm guarding him all game. I'm going to make life tough for him. So that's the type of guy that you're, you're, you're looking at. Now, the things that you can teach up, right? I think sometimes from off coverage, he can be a little uh, – a little too – uh, sometimes play with, like with not much urgency at times, right? So mm -hmm. that's one thing where I'll be like, okay, hey, I need you to play right here with a little bit more urgency. Does he have the ability? Yes, 100%. I think his movement skills in the open space are really good. I saw, uh, I was watching the Auburn game and he was lined up in the slot over somebody and dude ran like a whip route. And you and I talked about like having your feet do all the thinking for you. Right there, his feet did the thinking for him. And I saw those movement skills. I'm like, oh, it's there, there it goes. And, you know, just he has all the ability in the world, but it's just like, all right, when you're off, don't don't play with your eyes so much. Can you kind of like lock in and focus in on this play a little bit more? And it wasn't like something that I thought was like a big issue, but it was something where I thought out of everything with his game, that was the one thing I felt like he can improve on. And uh, from that standpoint, I mean, I just like everything else about him. If I'm looking for a corner and I want to say, hey, you just go guard that guy like. I'm, I'm choosing him over any other corner in this class. Especially, and I, again, I love his mentality. He's almost like a Richard Sherman in the sense of someone who just carries himself. Like when he's in the room, everybody knows, everybody feels that presence and they follow him. So, you know, those kind of guys are really hard to come by, especially with the pedigree that he has coming from, you know, who his dad is and, and how they go about business. You know, I love it. That's interesting. I I'm, I'm a JC Horn fan as well. Uh, it it seems like by most draft boards he'll he'll be gone before the Browns pick. But I I brought him up because I agree with you. I 
I, I think he's he and, and Farley were the two that stood out to, the most to me watching film, actually above Sertan. Uh, and Farley now is in a weird spot where I it felt like the consensus on him was, you know, potentially the first corner off the board, no, no chance for the Browns really to get him. Now this back procedure, it's the second major injury he's had. I think he had a knee earlier on in his college career that sidelined him. He's a receiver converted to corner. And so now there is, a, I guess, a slight chance that he could fall as, as deep as the Browns. I think I haven't, I think as far as I've seen him fall is 23 in most mock drafts, but maybe by draft day, there's even more concern as far as the medicals are concerned. Tape wise, though, in the limited sample that there is on Farley, are you uh, as high on him? Obviously, you have JC Horn number one, so you're higher on Horn compared to Farley, but where does Farley slot in for you? You know, it is is weird watching them. Um, if you were to tell me in three years that Farley is the best corner in the NFL, I wouldn't be surprised, right? When you know, just he does like these these freakish things. The way he's able to attack the ball in the air, like somebody was like, "Hey, who do you comp him to?" And I'm like, "Man, I don't know who I would comp him to, but I know the way he's able to play the ball in the air and attack him, attack the ball with that type of explosiveness is like Deion Sanders. Like that's that's the only guy I could think of off the top of my head." that closes on the ball like that well. So I, I think of him in high regards from that standpoint of what like his upside is and that freaky, that freakish nature that he plays with. Um, just things, and I talk, I always go to like, what can you teach? What can't you teach, right? Like, and, and I'm pretty sure we'll get to certain, but with certain, like what's the main thing everybody points to? I, I'll let you tell me like, what's the main thing that you think makes Patrick certain so good? I actually haven't watched a ton of Sertan uh-huh. just because I think there's no way he's uh, going to be Down there for you. the Browns. Yeah. But th- to me, in the limited film I did see, I was a little concerned with, with his hips. But I think the the proficiency of just like his, his technique as a corner there we go. is, okay, is, that's the is really the thing that jumps off. That's I got the there eventually. <laughs> yeah. So that's the answer I was looking for, right? When everybody, when they talk about him, it's, oh, it's technique, it's technique, it's technique. And what I'm like, my thing is, you can teach technique. I, I can teach that. I can teach consistency with technique. What I can't teach is the way that Farley plays with his explosiveness and that athletic ability and that burst and that quickness. Like, I, I can't teach that. <laughs> I can teach you technique. I can teach you to stay square at the line of scrimmage. Um, now, certain Sert- still might do it better than anybody because he's just so patient with it. But... That's something I can teach and just get somebody to trust and hone in on that. That those that freakish ability that that Farley has, I can't teach that. So, yeah, from that standpoint, like I I love him. Now, where I am concerned, aside from the injuries, uh, just his inconsistencies, right? Like when when you start getting to the top, you're you're nitpicking. Like you know, I, I think he's a terrific prospect, but. He can get better in areas. I think, you know, in press coverage, you talked about Greg Newsom. I, I think I think uh, Farley is even a little bit more raw, I guess you could say. I hate using that word, but he's a little bit more raw in the sense of just hasn't had a whole lot of press uh, snaps. Like, like you're talking about Northwestern playing a bunch of off coverage, like uh, Virginia Tech might play even more. <laughs> um, yeah, so he plays a bunch true. of off. You can tell he's like still kind of getting that feel like corners – the longer you play the cornerback position, the you develop this feel and you start to feel the route that the receiver's running. You can tell he doesn't have that yet. 
So when he plays with anticipation, it looks really good. Um, when he has to like, you know, I like to say, let your feet, you know, do the thinking and working for you. He's not there yet. And when he does like let his feet do the thinking and work for him, it's not great. Like he, he has to anticipate. If he anticipates, he closes freakishly fast. But if he has to play more honest, that's where you could see a lack of that suddenness. Now, again, mm -hmm. if he's anticipating that you're going to run a sit down route, he explodes out of that break better than anybody in his class. But he, he, he put some reps on film just where I, even as a casual fan, you're like, what was yeah, that? I mean, yeah. that is just insane. The, the closing speed. When he, when he know when he feels it and he closes, it's crazy. Uh, but you know, that's something I feel like, you know, with his feet and he's a bigger corner, he's big. Um, that's a place where he needs to get a little bit more consistent. I think with his feet, I think with his eyes, he can become a little bit more consistent there. But when it comes to him, you can just tell he's a, he's a little new, new to the position. So somebody that played quarterback in high school and then like was a receiver yeah, um, when he first got to college. So, you know, it, it, he's a little new, but you get him to like really do what you want him to do and figure that out and really focus in on, on just the position, the cornerback and, and get more reps. He's going to be terrific. And again, like I said, three years, if you told me he was the best corner in the NFL, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, that back issue, that that just the injuries in general that he's kind of dealt with. It's like, dude, you didn't even play this year. Why, why, why are you going to get surgery on your back? So those are things that will kind of worry me, you know, just like the serious, like those are serious injuries. That's not just like something that like uh, maybe, you know, somebody with like a labrum injury and they had to get uh, surgery. Like, all right, you, you mm -hmm. have a torn labrum, you have to get surgery. Okay, you're out six months, whatever. But I know you're going to come back and you're going to be fine. A back, I don't, you know, those things are, that's a little more iffy. Now they say he'll be ready by training camp, but I don't know. Like, and what if you have a setback with your back? Then all of a sudden he's going to just retire. Like, you know, like that would be, that would scare me. That would scare me. For sure, for sure. And I, I think it, it, from the Browns perspective, given the fact that a lot of the reason Browns fans want to draft a cornerback is because of health issues already with Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. I think ultimately that would stay away, uh, would mean a stay away for them as far as Farley is concerned, because if he's falling that part of the Browns, you have to imagine it's because of the medical concerns. And so if that's the case, it probably means he should fall past the Browns at that point as well. And I, and I can get on board with that to, to me, when I just watched Farley, he put some reps on tape and, and given how young he is, is to the position, as you said, uh, that, that he just jumped off the board to me. Yeah. And so the, the idea of him being a Brown is certainly enticing, but ultimately I can understand from a GM perspective, probably doesn't make that much sense in the end. It's a little scary. Yeah, it's a little scary. We ha I was just going to say, we haven't even gotten to the guys that have actually watched the most film on because I think all the guys we've talked about so far are, although the best prospects in the class, probably the ones that are the least likely to end up on the Browns just because of where they're, they're slotted in draft boards. Right. I'll tell you who my draft crush is of the later rounds, and I'd love to, to hear your opinion on him, is Tyson Campbell. A lot of Browns fans have been clamoring for Melifonwu out of Syracuse. Hopefully I said that correctly uh, in, in the second round, potentially, or uh, something along those lines. I actually like Tyson Campbell a lot more. I'd be interested 
to hear your thoughts on one of or both of those guys. Yeah, I'm more of a Tyson Campbell guy as well. You know, with Melifanu, like, you know, I, I like the ability. I like the, the, the you know, I, okay. I'm typically not big on, like, just the big corners. I think a lot of times, like, when you have guys that big, you sacrifice movement skills. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, the bigger they are, the less, you know, twitchy, sudden, quick-footed, you know, um, they can, they typically match up better against certain type of receivers, especially later in the, in the, in the draft. Um, you know, when you're at the top, like those guys are a little bit more versatile, but once you start getting like second round, third round, like third round, like there's something missing. A lot of times with, with those guys that are bigger like that, you know, their ability to kind of like match the quickness and suddenness of, you know, the NFL caliber receivers might it might give them a little bit of problems. Now, when it comes to Tyson Campbell, really like him. Now, he's not, for somebody, when I'm watching him, right, again, I don't look at their size or any of that before I watch him. I'm like, okay, this is a 6'2", 205-pound corner. And I thought he moved like that, right? Well, come to find out, he's like 6'1", 190 pounds. So, like, I thought his movement skills for his size lacked just a little bit. But obviously, like, terrific speed. I thought his technique was really good. I thought he was really good contesting passes at the catch point. Um, I thought he has the ability to play press as well as off. Um, and he's really confident with that. Uh, you know, he, you know, we, we look at the Alabama game. And, you know, he gave up a long touchdown to Waddle. Uh, there were a couple catches he gave up to uh, uh, Devontae Smith. You know, those are two receivers going into the top 15. And, and the Waddle touchdown, he just kind of, like, tripped and, like, fell. And it was, like, a 90-yard touchdown. Uh, against Devontae Smith, I thought his coverage was really good. But Devontae Smith, for whatever reason, everybody talks about his weight or whatever, he plays really strong. He plays big. So he was able to, like, work through the contact and then work back to the ball, like, five yards. But what I like to see is if the corner is making you work, like, you know what I'm saying? If the corner makes you have to work back, five yards to the ball to catch a pass, then to me, that's good on the cornerback and just, hey, can my defensive line get to the quarterback? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Can he hurry up and get there so this guy can't work back that much? But I thought I was really encouraged with the way on – in every film that I watched that he challenged receivers and was contesting passes. Against Florida, he gave up two touchdowns, um, both on jump balls. But his technique was really good. He got in phase. His eyes was good. Like, the tech, everything was there. You know, at the catch point, oh, man, Kyle Pitts, 6'6". Six, six. I don't know. He's, like, one of the greatest tight end prospects ever. He jumped on it over him and caught the ball. But I thought he did a good job contesting it. Same thing with Grimes. Technique, everything was there. Got in phase. Challenged the ball. But, okay, Grimes is 6'4". So, you know, I can I can pick out plays where, you know, maybe, you know, he gave up something. But I thought, for the most part, I, I really appreciated the way that he consistently challenged receivers in any film that I put on. And, and that's that's a really good positive for him. That's what I saw as well when I watched the tape is it just felt like he was in on the ball or in on plays every time. It, it, it just felt like there was tons of contested plays in his film, more so than in most. And you mentioned he, he, he's considered a bigger corner. I like that opposite Denzel Ward. I feel like the Browns could use somebody with a little bit more physicality in their secondary, just because I think Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams both don't really play that kind of style. So I thought he, I, he would just make a, a really nice compliment. And I just didn't see a lot of 
terrible reps, really. You mentioned the one he gave up the one really long touchdown pass where he trips and is a tough rep where he gets just absolutely burned. But for his size and for the I feel like for the perception of him as a slow moving guy, I just didn't see him get burned a whole lot where it was like, oh, wow, he really just didn't have the 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 speed there to keep up or, as you say, the twitch to, to ultimately keep up. So when I turned on the film, I was like, I, I get the concerns. He doesn't always get his head back, which you, you could say is a uh, potentially because he's, he's worried about the, the speed kind of stuff, but Those I watched his film him, and I, I was very impressed. You know, with him and Eric Stokes, it's like, Hey guys, you have the speed, you know, they were both hundred meter state champs, you know, uh, uh, Stokes was the 100 and 200 meter state champ in Georgia. Campbell was the 100 and 200 meter state champ in Florida. So it's like, you guys have the speed. You guys are 10, 300 meter uh, dash guys. So trust that and play with knowing that this guy's not going to outrun me. Play and challenge yourself from that standpoint. I thought they both could have done a better job at that. But like, it's there. Like when you talk about him and his abilities and, and the movement skills, all that, it's there. It's 100% there. Now it's just like, all right, can you can you trust it more? Can you trust that you have the ability more? Challenge yourself. And that's when, you know, a guy like him could be like a shutdown corner. Yeah, and, and and Stokes is a guy, too, that I think could fit in with the Browns uh, as well. I, I was more impressed with Campbell. I like Campbell a little bit more. Uh, Stokes, I think, could fit in, too. I think he, he seems to play, to me, uh, with – out that same strength that Tyson Campbell plays with. And so that's why I like Campbell more. I just, I felt like Campbell was challenging guys a little bit more physically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. And Eric Stokes, he's somebody, I just thought, again, he, he didn't trust, he didn't challenge himself enough. When I say challenge is like, you know, anticipate a little bit more. Like, don't be afraid that somebody's going to like just run by you, you know, be more aggressive, like throughout the route, you know, uh, squeeze routes more. You know, those are things I thought, like, you know, he could get better at. He has all the ability in the world as well, you know. I, I You know, one of the notes that I made was I didn't feel like he played as explosive as I thought he would test. And he tested through the roof. But when I was watching the film, that didn't jump out to me. Like, just if you just go off a pure film, it doesn't look like he's, like, the most explosive athlete until he gets to pick six against the uh, Florida Gators. And I'm like, damn, that looked different. Like, how do you explode down the sideline like that? Then now I'm like, wait a minute. Like, who is this dude? Like, it, can he run? But, you know, aside from that play, at least in the film I watched, which, you know, when we're doing these evaluations, we might, you know, watch three or four games and look for, like, you know, what's consistent. I didn't think that he was just the most explosive guy. But he has it in him. And obviously he tested as such. So now it's like, just go out and be that guy, you know, every play. Challenge yourself. And that, that's what the great ones do. For sure. And I think it's interesting. I've already bring that up a couple of times, I think, in your evaluation as well, is that the idea of challenging yourself as a corner. And that's something I think I've started to look for a little bit more as I've watched tape is there is there has to be a certain sense of a certain lack of fear in terms of getting burned. And so, yeah, maybe occasionally you put a, a bad rep on film because you, you miss make a misstep but to me that's also how you make the great plays as a corner right. the plays that really to me translate more at the nfl level because you learn 
you know, as you do those and as you make those mistakes, I feel like sometimes there are, especially when I watch mid round corners, it's like, I watch this guy and he's okay on a lot of reps, but nothing stands out. And I'm like, okay, well, how am I supposed to believe that you're going to make plays at the next level? And that's why, why Campbell stands out more to me. And, and that's what I had a problem with actually with Melifonwu, who we were talking about briefly earlier, is he just, there were way too many plays for me where he was just backed off and just never got that that close to his guy and i was just like right. what 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 is this if you're if you're gonna have this many reps on film as you said in the in the couple games i'm watching where you just back off a guy and, and just give him way too much space for the catch and never challenge him i i don't know how i can bank on that plus he also has injury concerns so i feel like so many people have been high on him and i watched him and tyson campbell back to back and then I just thought the two, there was a way bigger gap than, than is being made out to be. Yeah, I think Tyson Campbell, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be a guy that might creep into my top five. So, like, I, I'm just as high on Tyson Campbell as you are. I think he's a terrific prospect, and uh, I think there's a lot to like there, for sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly glad to hear that. I'm not sure that that's the consensus, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad we can at least – uh, agree on that front. I, th- those are the guys I've watched the most. The one other we didn't talk about, and I do want to talk about it briefly just because I saw uh, a mock draft, of course, where the Browns traded back into the second round and drafted Asante Samuel Jr., mm-hmm. uh, who, of course, everybody will will know that name from his father. But Asante Samuel Jr., known for yeah, s- some ball skills, for sure, which I think that the Browns could certainly use in, in their secondary. It, it, I see a a lot of people uh, getting excited about him as the draft process goes along. What were your thoughts when you watched the tape on him? Uh, my initial thoughts weren't too great. You know, I watched the 2019 uh, games first. I think the first game I put on was him versus Clemson. That's what I tried to do. I tried to find like, okay, who's the best team this guy played against? And so that's the first game I, I put on. And a couple of things jumped out to me right away. One, he was in that game. He was strictly a field corner. So they did more field boundary type stuff. Um, yeah. I felt like they had the other corner, number eight, who was, was it Stanford Samuels? Um, and I remember his dad playing. So it was Samuels, I think, um, who was the other corner. They had him in the boundary being more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. I'm like, okay, they just want to play this guy off all the time. Um, the, he did show some versatility where he played in the slot in that game, but I didn't think he like, again, challenged himself very much. He would just like kind of motor out too much, gave Amari Rogers like free releases and wasn't like sticking to his hip, uh, in man coverage from the slot. I didn't see him press on the outside. I, I, I believe I didn't see that at all. Then when they got inside the 10 yard, 10 yard line, like they would just take him out of the game. And I'm like, okay, everything that I'm seeing right now is screaming like NFL nickel. And we all know, like, typically, like, those guys aren't valued as highly mm-hmm. uh, in the draft. Like, typically, you're not like, oh, I'm just going to draft this nickel first round. Like, you know, you typically don't see that. Um, so, it originally, it was, it was screaming nickel. Now, I continued to watch, and I watched some other games, and I started to see more of somebody um, exploding out of his break, breaking up passes, doing a great job uh, from that sense. I thought, you know, overall, he was probably the best tackling cornerback in his class. Um, I saw more physicality. I saw him play more in the red zone, which was good to see. Um, I saw him play press. I saw him, uh, who, who was I watching? Was it uh, North Carolina where he was in a bill and Diami Brown ran a five-yard stop and, he, and from a bill, he put his foot in the ground, flipped his hips and drove down and broke up that ball. 
And I was like, okay, you know, and so I thought his 2020 film was much better. I thought it was, uh, uh, he showed more of what I wanted to see from him. And, and that kind of gave me the confidence that he's a guy who can not only play the nickel, but can play outside as well. And I think that makes him more scheme versatile. Now he might be more of an off coverage guy on the outside, but um, he definitely, if somebody takes him like, you know, in that late first, second round, or even third round or whatever, like he'll give you that versatility of a guy who can play multiple spots. So um, yeah, I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I liked his uh, aggressiveness at, um, um, to go out of his way to make tackles. I thought he did a really good job with that. Um, there was a lot of good stuff. See, I thought his turn, turn around was good. Um, he made some plays on the ball, for, uh, breaking up passes, uh, and his pop, ball popping in the air, his teammates getting the interceptions. Uh, so he forced some turnover, turnovers. Um, I thought I thought there was a, little, a lot of good stuff that he put on film. I was a little worried at first, but uh, I, I, I walked away, you know, more intrigued after watching all the film. And yeah, th- th- that's interesting, that difference between 2019 and 2020. And I wonder if that's maybe some of the reason that people are getting a little bit more excited to, uh, about him closer to the draft. It, he does feel like one of those guys where the further you get away from the season, the higher they're getting up on draft boards. And I, I'm always a little wary of those guys because they didn't put on any more film in the in the three months between <laughs> you know the 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 season ending and the draft. So that's that's what always concerns me slightly with guys like him. Is I'm like, okay, what? What happened in January and February that made people get so much more excited right. about him as a prospect? Right. I think sometimes it's just getting to his film. Like, you know, there's certain guys, like he wasn't the first guy I watched. You know, you hear about all these different guys and it's like, okay, I got to watch this guy. They say he's the best. Oh, okay, I watched J.C. Horn. Okay, let me get the Sertain. Okay, let me get the Farley. Oh, Kelvin Joseph, his name popped up. Okay, let me watch him. You know, you just continue to watch guys and it's like, oh yeah, Sante Samuel Jr. Let me watch him. And sometimes it just takes a while to get to that film. For sure. And I, I, I totally blanked uh, on one more guy. I did want to talk about real quick. Uh, just uh, Eli- it, yeah. Elijah Molden. Yeah. Elijah Molden. Yeah. Just cause he's, he's right in the range of the Browns other picks as well. He's a guy that and in this it worries me a little bit is that the first line on, on his draft profile is legendary level of football character in that he, he, Film shows potential to play safety and or nickel. Obviously, he's rated lower than these guys any uh, you know that we've talked about so far, but those were a little bit of, of red flags. And then I watched the film though, and I actually uh, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. And he's one of the few guys I actually read the draft profile before what, draft profile before watching the film, so that's probably not a good idea on my part because you go in with the preconceived notions. But then I I turned on the film. And a lot of plays being made, I, I felt like there were some good instincts there. I felt like he played, you know, a little bit more physical than I was expecting. So uh, a lot of things I liked there. I don't know how you feel about him. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I like this film as well. Now, he's a true nickel, right? You know, he talked about some of these other guys that can do both, you know, more versatile. He's a true nickel. Like, you're not playing them on the outside. That I, I mean, I didn't see him yeah. lining up there at all. No, um, I, th- I, I think, think it would he's... really be Troy Hill almost moving to the outside for the Browns, which Troy Hill did some for the Rams last year. I think if they take Molden, they have to move Troy Hill to the outside. I don't think Molden took a snap that I saw in in outside coverage at all. Yeah, yeah. So he is a, he is a pure nickel. Um, I guess he's somebody who could play safety, but even then, like, 
you know, I think that's more of a projection. He's not a big guy. So, I mean, if you want to say like he's, you know, has that honey badger type of ability to, to you know, be able to play safety and nickel and corner or whatever, baby, you know, but to me, he was a pure nickel. I like a lot of his film. The tough thing was kind of filtering through the, like the Washington film. They just play so much spot dropping, right? Like how much did you see these guys just drop off into space and like keep everything in front of them and then rally down and make tackles. There was a lot of that. But when the more you watch and I had to watch a bunch of games to see everything, you know, I thought he did a really good job running across field with guys. The, the one thing that really kind of jumped out to me as like a negative, I didn't think his long speed was there. And guys would just, if they ran by him, like it was just over. Like, so now the good thing is when you are a pure nickel, you don't really have to guard too many vertical routes. But if he does have to, I think that could be something that worries me a little bit. Uh, aside from that, I thought, you know, running with crossers, you know, challenging, uh, you know, outbreaking routes, you know, his uh, fighting, fighting through, you know, blockers, blowing up screens, like, you know, those were the clear strengths, like physicality, clear strength. Uh, so there was a lot that he did that very well. I would say if I had to rank Nichols, he would be right up there at the top of the list. And um, I think when I see some guys rank like Holland from uh, Oregon as a nickel, mm -hmm. to me, he, he like he's not a nickel. He's a safety. But when I watch, uh, it, he played nickel at Oregon. Though. He played nickel, but he's just not a nickel. But when I watch the kid from Washington, I'm like, okay, Moden, yeah, this is a true nickel. And I, I just, again, I don't know where you value that. This kind of reminds me of um, the kid from Florida, Ch uh, Garner Johnson. Chauncey Garner Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he was I was hoping like the Browns are going to sign him this offseason, but they they did not. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like that tweener, right? Like that, do we play him at safety, nickel? Well, Florida uh, uh, Saints play him at like, just kind of like a pure nickel. And I think that's something that would work for uh, Elijah Molden as well. Yeah, I, it was just, he was a guy that stood out to me where I turned on the film and I was like, hey, this is, I feel like I heard a lot of negative things and I, I, I'm i seeing a lot of positive things on, on, yeah. on the film as well. I think you bring up uh, the concerns about his speed for sure. Uh, the, That's the uh, main thing. Like, it's just his vertical, like when guys ran vertical, he just kind of like, I mean, they just boom, ran by him. And that, that was the one thing, like aside from that, I thought everything else was pretty good on tape. Feet, all right. change the direction, hips, all that type of stuff. I thought, I, I, I thought I, it was solid. I thought it was solid for, for what he is. Okay. Yeah, I, th I think he could be in range for the Browns, just given where their draft board is and where their picks are. So that was that was why I wanted to touch on him. Eric, I've kept you for a long time already. There are just two receivers I want to talk about, and we can make it quick uh, as well. But I know you've done some deep breakdowns on these guys. I saw a mock draft today as well that, that mocks Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU to the Browns. Uh, yeah, obviously, would fit in with the LSU vibe with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. And I saw you did a full film breakdown on him. What are your thoughts on, on Marshall Jr. Uh, as one of you know two LSU receivers that are that figure to go pretty highly in this draft? Oh man, I, I like him. Um, and you know he's not going to get like a lot of hype because. You know, he played on, you know, a team with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, right? And those guys are excellent uh, receivers and produced extremely high in college. Well, this guy did too. I think he caught 10 touchdowns uh, the year before. Last year, um, this past season, he caught, what, 13? Or was it 13 the year before? 
Yeah, either way, it was 23 I, touchdowns in the last two years. I, I think it was 13 the year before. And then this year, didn't he catch 10 in, yeah, uh, in, seven, like, games. in seven games because he, yeah. he opted out early? Yeah, so so 23 touchdowns in not even a full two years, um, basically a year and a half. So extremely productive. I thought he won all over, whether it was outside, whether it was inside. Thought he, um, I thought he had a really good feel for you know his route running in the inside. He has feet. He has twitch. Um, he has enough suddenness for sure. Um, I think he does a really good job, you know, shielding off uh, defensive backs from the ball. He has long speed. He can outrun like safeties and split defenses. Like there's a there's a lot to like about about him. <laughs> but I just think he's not hyped up like that because of you know the two guys that he played with. But I put him right up there, you know, with some of the top guys in in this class. And I feel like his skill set translates extremely well. You know, he kind of reminded me of like a cross blend of Muhammad Sanu. And uh, Valdez Scantling on the, mm-hmm. on the Packers, oh. so he's kind of like a cross blend of, of those two guys. Where I think his like skill set is so, um, you know, Valdez Scantling obviously like a, a really good deep threat um, guy. You know, he's kind of longer, leaner, um, you know, vertical threat. Where Muhammad Sanu is more of a guy that kind of works more like over the middle, big slot type guy. And I think uh, he, I think Marshall gives you like the best of both worlds with with those two guys. For sure. I, I, he's the guy that, that stood out to me as well. I, I doubt the Browns take him again, just based on their other needs and the fact that they need to address the defensive side of the football a lot more, given the fact that they have Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry already. However, I saw that mock and I saw that you also did a breakdown of him. So I wanted to get your, your thoughts in case that does ultimately become a reality. However, my biggest draft crush in, uh, on the receiver side of things is – Jami Brown, who you already brought up, the guy, the product out of North Carolina, the Browns, if they're going to address the receiver position are likely going to do it with somebody who's a vertical threat. They already have Landry underneath. They've got Rashard Higgins as well. Who's not really a top end speed guy, more of a possession receiver. So that's what everybody's talking about, a vertical threat. And boy, to me, Brown checks a lot of the boxes that the Browns need. I understand the limitations in, in, the short and intermediate routes. However, the, the vertical, the vertical threat from him just to me jumped off the tape of in an impressive way. So here's the thing with him, you know, that the, the short to intermediate routes is there. They just didn't run it in that offense. So he, he reminded me, I was watching the film and one of the notes I made was, and I tweeted this out, like, man, like Naomi Brown only runs three routes, like go route, you know, out route, stop route. Like reminds me of DK Metcalf coming out of Ole Miss. And the response yeah. I got was, well, yeah, they got the same offensive coordinator. And I'm like, wow, okay, it makes sense. You know, I'm like, dang, <laughs> I, this coordinator sucks when trying to evaluate receivers. But I had to really dig deep with him. And the things that started jumping out to me is he is one of the more well-rounded receivers in this class. He does, he definitely possesses big time like route running ability. Like he's quick, he's sudden, he understands like the nuances of running routes. Like, you know, he he knows when he beats a guy off the line, okay, let me stack him and get vertical and then use his body, like, you know, outruns guys, catches him. He can run by guys or he can, you know, use half steps and those things. And when all those things fail, he's a great contested catch guy. You know, uh, does a really good job catching balls at the catch point. Um, I thought underneath, he showed really good feet. He showed a variety of different releases that he has where sometimes he'll use patience. Sometimes he'll just go. Sometimes he'll work to get outside the corner's frame and then come back inside. Like he does all these little things so well 
it's just unfortunate that it gets overshadowed because of their stale offense that they run. But, you know, when it came to him, I had to dig deep. I had to watch a lot of him. But he definitely – he was one of my favorite guys that I watched so far, for sure. Like, I, I, I think if I had to put a number on it right now, I'd say he's at wide receiver three for me. Like, I like wow. him that much. Well, I, yeah. I think I saw him projected in, like, just uh, like in round three, I think, or something is what I saw. Uh, yeah. when I looked him up, but I, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting. I, I figured you would, you'd be setting me straight a little bit more on this podcast, but I feel like we've had a couple of, uh, of agreements here, actually, as far as the players that I've liked, but when I watched Brown, I was very impressed. The third round thing that I think that you're seeing is people are just watching and, and they probably just, you know, if they, if they're trying to like rush through and get their rankings and be able to do a drafting, then they probably just go off of what they feel like this person is like, Oh, he's a deep threat. Okay, good. And like, we're me, I'm spending hours like watching that specific player and rewinding it and watching this play over and over and over and looking at all the little subtleties that he has in his game. And that's why I come to the conclusion that I, you know what, this guy is much better than I think a lot of people are giving him credit for. So like the, the, his ability to win vertically, the way he does, he has like, he understands blind spots, leverages, all these things. Like, so like he, he's way more nuanced than I think anybody would probably give him credit for but when I broke him down in my in my breakdown, I put a lot of those things in there where I thought he he did an excellent job. Finishes, runs strong. You know, I compared him to Devontae Adams. That's what he looked like to me. And when you watch Devontae wow. Adams, right, it's not it, – it doesn't always look like he's the fastest guy, but it's like, whoa, he's winning vertical. Oh, he's outrunning guys. Like, wow, okay. Oh, nice body control. Great. Okay, so he's a vertical threat. Oh, he's winning underneath. And he has those same type of abilities – but it just hasn't really fully been utilized because of the offense that he was in at North Carolina. And, and to your point about how he was utilized, he averaged 20 over 20 yards per catch in his last hundred grabs. So it was basically all deep digs and go routes yeah. <laughs> as far as, as his route tree is concerned. And yeah, I, I think he had eight touchdowns of 40 or more yards in his career. So he's definitely used as that deep threat. I didn't know that that was a great nugget about him having the same offensive coordinator as DK Metcalf. I didn't know yeah. that. Well, I didn't know either until everybody told me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it does make a lot of sense. And when I watched him as well, I was like, well, this is what the Browns need. Because Baker Mayfield has one of the best deep ball completion percentages. He He's uh, got a strong arm for his size that, you know, you think small quarterback, but He's actually got a, a really strong arm, so I think uh, a lot of Browns fans are like, "Hey, we could use a deeper threat in this offense." And who knows if OBJ is going to be on the team long term? But he's really the only guy that stretches the field for them at all. So I, what about I looked people's, at Brown. And I was like, uh, what is it? People's Jones. What, what, uh... People. People's Jones. Yeah, I. He. I. I like him a lot. He impressed me. He didn't go. I don't. I don't think he went vertical a ton for this team, but his. He impressed me a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he has more of that role in this offense next year as well. His hands really impressed me. Uh, I thought he had a lot more contested catches for the Browns than he did at Michigan when I watched him. Yeah, Michigan offense. That, and that's the one thing that we have to look at, right? I mean, they're, they're, we have to use some context when it comes to, like, the prospects and stuff like that. And I've been kind of getting into it with people on Twitter, not really getting into it, but like, you know, I'm a 49er fan and the whole Mac Jones and all that type of stuff. <laughs> but we have to use some context and look at the situations that these guys are in their offense, what they were asked to do. Like I did, you know, with Diami Brown, like you have to be able to look past the obvious, right? Like you have to be able to look past the obvious. And with, you know, people's Jones, it was like, all right, this offense 
was so still. Like that, the offense was not really highlighting a lot of what you know people Jones probably could be. You know, so I think that was a tough thing, like for him coming out. Like we saw, like how he tested and how he was a physical freak, but at Michigan, it was just kind of hard to really see the upside because of you know how they just the inconsistency in using their receivers and the quarterback situation was so up and down. Yeah, he was not a prospect I was high on, and then I watched him with the Browns, and I was like, hey, this guy is making plays. I was like, oh, all right, uh, I I can I can work with this. Yeah, and I know. Uh, you know, that, that wraps up my prospects, but I know I've seen your, your, your Justin Fields, uh, advocacy on Twitter. And I grew, I grew up in Ohio state country, of course, you know, being a Cleveland Browns fan as well. I went to Northwestern, but I, I saw every Justin Fields game at Ohio state. And let me tell you, I am on your side. I cannot figure out what I, I cannot figure out what's happened in this draft process. Not just, I mean, we'll talk about it off air, but man, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a that that's a topic for another podcast. And thankfully, yeah. <laughs> for the first time in many years, not a topic that is relevant to the Browns because they no longer, uh, at least this year, need a quarterback. So I'm quite thankful for that. Yeah, man. Yeah, be thankful. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, I can I can uh, hear the the pain in your voice as a 49ers fan with that trade going on. So it's because of all the reports. But again, we'll we'll talk about it when we get off the air. But yeah. It's, uh, all good, man. I've, I've kept you too long already, Eric. I appreciate you coming on and talking about all these prospects with me. Uh, I, I needed somebody to chat with it about who I know has watched as much film as I have because I spent way too many hours over the weekend doing this. And so I'm glad I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective with everybody here on the pod. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. Anytime. Make sure you guys follow me uh, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Yeah, he is a fantastic follow for all things corner and receiver related and really all draft stuff. I know you've got a bunch of different draft content on there. You, you put out these video breakdowns that to me are, are very enlightening. I'm a guy that likes to get educated when it comes you know, to this stuff. I, I know my limitations as far as the game is concerned. And so Eric makes a great follow for that. Uh, and and uh, I encourage you to check out his stuff. Yeah, before we go, uh, Twitter and anything else you want to plug. Oh, Twitter, um, at Eric underscore Crocker. I have the Crocker Report. Uh, so that's another uh, Twitter account. A uh, bunch of great content. I got some guys, my guy, John Hagler, uh, uh, D, uh, DP uh, underscore NFL. Uh, my guy, Eugene, they do some um, great work over there. Mike Fees, um, all those guys. And then I have my Patreon account, um, which everything that I'm talking about right now with all these break, like these players, I have like 10 to, you know, what, what eight to 12, 13 minute videos on each guy. And it's me really just going in detail with a lot of things with like visual, visual, uh, you know, evidence uh, to where everybody can see like everything that I'm talking about. So it's not like I'm just talking out of my ass. <laughs> it's like stuff where you see, and I usually bring up, like show these things where you see the consistency of it. And I try to point out things that other people aren't talking about. So that's patreon.com slash talk. All right, man. Uh, as I said, appreciate you so much for coming on. That's going to do it for this podcast here. Browns fans, plenty of more content leading up to the draft coming. Well, we're going to break down some other positions. We're going to talk with CBSSports.com's Chris Trapasso in general about the draft, what to do at pick number 26. We have a whole breakdown coming on that next week as well. So stay tuned for all of that. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find me at Henry underscore Ettinger. And until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. 
Go Browns.